Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Next on the News for the Soul Radio Network, it's the Whole Health Initiative with Dr. Holly. With more degrees than a thermometer, Dr. Holly's PhDs include psychology, nutrition, natural medicine, advanced Ayurvedics, and more. Dr. Holly is a scientist, the author of 17 books, and a professional international speaker. She also sees and works with energy, and she's here now to help you achieve complete optimal health. Welcome, Dr. Holly, to News for the Soul. Welcome to Post St. Patrick's Day, Wednesday, and I hope you're having a good day amidst all this panic that's being established around the world. We're going to have another program like we did last week on the coronavirus. We're going to look at updated information. We're going to look at where you can get information that's accurate information as opposed to an awful lot of the um, misleading information that is out there. So hopefully... You'll pay attention, and that by the end of the show, you won't be in a panic. <laughs> All right, so first off, I wanted to share with you, we've gone over this a few times before over the last few years, but I want to share with you two, pub, two quotes about two of the most uh, prestigious medical journals in the world and whether or not they provide accurate information. Then we're going to look at the WHO, the World Health Organization, to see how accurate they are. Then we're going to look at a variety of other statistics to put this um, pandemic that we're supposedly having in perspective. And then we're going to go over again what you can do uh, to keep yourself safe. And in that, we'll look at who's at risk and why. Okay? So we're we're going to try to cover an awful lot. Nicole has sent me a number of questions. We'll try to get through all those as well. So let's get going. We've got a lot to do today. Okay, so Richard Horton was the chief uh, editing officer of The Lancet, uh, again, one of the world's most prestigious medical journals. And what he wrote a few years back was, and it's, this is all in your article if you want to follow along in your article, quote, the case against science is straightforward. Much of the scientific literature, perhaps half, may simply be untrue. Afflicted by a size of tiny effects in valid exploratory analysis, flagrant conflicts of interest, together with an obsession for pursuing fashionable trends of dubious importance, science has taken a turn towards darkness. Well, one of the things I laughed when I reread that, because I've used that quote so many times, is pursuing fashionable trends. We could say right now the Coronavirus is a fashionable trend of dubious importance. Then we have the New England Journal of Medicine, and we want to look at, again, Dr. Angel, who is the chief executive of officer of the new chief executive, chief editing officer of the New England Journal of Medicine. And it's quoted to say, it is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I'll read that line again. Or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I reached slowly and reluctantly over my two years as the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. Okay, so if we can't rely on medical journals and trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines, 
for accurate, real, trustworthy information, where do we go? The World Health Organization? I've gone to that for a long time. Don't anymore. Richard Horton again, he was tweeting. I'm not going to go over all the, the comments that I've posted here. I just want to go over a couple of the ones that he made about the World Health Organization and why it is no longer trustworthy. Uh, one is the WHO, WHO stands for the uh, World Health Organization, is no longer a science-based organization. Who believes that scientists within the agency should be anonymous bureaucrats? Ooh, that really scary. Science in WHO is seen as a dangerously subversive activity. Publication in journals brings the threat of disciplinary. Wow. Holy cow. So the WHO doesn't depend on accurate, evidence-based information anymore? Down near the bottom, you know, I had to laugh at this one. When papers get salami sliced and divided between the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet, it gets complicated, sometimes nasty and even threatening. So you can take one article, one study, and cut it up in a variety of different ways, reorganize the authors, rename the article, rewrite the abstract, and then print it in a number of different journals. Various journals, and I know various ones I write for, um, are very concerned that information is duplicated. So you have to change it enough so it's not duplicated. And I'll simply say to them, well, I've written similar articles in many journals. If you want to use this one, fine. If you don't, that's fine too, up to you. So, again, what we're focusing here on is that the New England Journal of Medicine, the Lancet, and the WHO are not trustworthy for accurate information. How does that impact when we're looking at the uh, – COVID virus. Go down. Um, right now, according to world meters, um, worldwide, we have 208,184 people diagnosed, 208,000 around the world, and 8,272 deaths. That may sound like a lot, and what they're promoting in given uh, whether it be a country or a province, state, city, township, what have you, may sound like a lot. We look at the U.S. alone. No other countries, not around the world, just the U.S. alone. The flu season that occurred between basically October of 2017 and April of 2018, one flu season. We had almost 45 million people with the flu. There was 21 million medical visits, 810,000 related hospitalizations. And according to the CDC, and we've got different stats even in the CDC, so it's really interesting, but 61,000, basically 62,000 died because of the flu. Let's go back to that first number again. 45 million had the flu that they know had the flu. How many people... Think of yourselves, your family, extended friends, what have you. Have the flu and just deal with it. Or may have the flu and just stay home from work so that you're not passing it around. May have flu symptoms and you may actually go to bed and, you know, drink your hot water, lemon and honey or whatever. Get over it. But you don't go to the doctor. Of course, in the U.S., you have to pay to go to the doctor, unlike Canada. So how many... People refused to go because they didn't have the finances to pay for it. So 
apparently what they think is that number, 45 uh, million basically, 44802629, million, is actually a really low number. Okay? All right, so let's move on. If we go to uh, the CNN, they estimated later 900,000 hospitalizations as opposed to the 810, and 80,000 as opposed to the 61, 62,000 that died. So we do have fluctuation in numbers. Recognize that. Now, if we want to look at prior years, 2017-18 was considered a hot spot year for the flu. So prior years, if we go back to 2011-12, there was 12,000 deaths. 2012-13, it jumps up to 56,000 deaths. And then 2017-18, we're now looking at 62,000 upwards to 80,000 deaths. How many deaths do we have for the COVID? Hmm. You might want to think about that. The next question I put in there is, who is being hit? Who is the target. Well, I'm not really concerned about the target for just catching the flu. Anybody, everybody can catch a flu bug. In fact, if you're in naturopathic uh, series, the bottom line is about every two to three years, you should catch the flu. You should catch it quickly. You should get over it quickly, move on, and that just gives your immune system a good workout. And your immune system is always working, but you want to give it a good workout once in a while. So what's the concern then? Well, the concern is who is at high risk for dying from the uh, viruses? And, of course, we have compassion for everybody who's dying. I think I started the article out by saying that. No matter who it is and for whatever reason, we always have compassion for people who have lost a loved one. But we're trying to figure out here, is there a reason for panic worldwide? So let's keep that in mind. And COVID, it's a family of viruses. The SARS, the MERS, and now the coronavirus, they all belong to the same COVID family, okay? They say they don't know anything about it. Well, they actually know a whole lot about it because it belongs to the same family. And golly gee whiz, the stats coming out about who is at high risk, who dies from it, is the same. For all of them, 96 to 98% are seniors with pre-existing medical conditions, and the ones most identified are cardiovascular, diabetes, and respiratory. Well, who do you think those seniors are at risk? Well, yeah, they do have pre-existing medical conditions, but let's look at it a little bit differently. Those seniors are typically on a lot of medications. In fact, in the U.S., the stats are. Now, this doesn't apply around the world, but I'm using the U.S. as a reference here. Seniors between the ages of 65 and 69 take an average of 15 prescriptions per year. Holy cow! Seniors between the ages of 80 and 84 take an average of 18 prescriptions. So it fluctuates in there. I just put the two down. And again, I gave you the reference for it. What do we know about these drugs? Well, number one, these drugs deplete the body of nutrients, the very nutrients the body requires in order to be healthy. And I've given you a variety of references for that. Secondly, and this is what we talked about a few weeks ago, drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, not illegal street drugs. We're talking about legal prescribed pharmaceutical drugs are the number one cause of mitochondrial dysfunction. 
So let's elaborate a little bit, just in case you're new to the program for the mitochondria. The mitochondria are the guys inside, the organelles is what they're called, inside the cell that make the fuel so that the cells can do anything. In a basic cell, you'll have between 50 and 500 mitochondria. In a a brain cell, a heart cell, you can have upwards of 10,000 mitochondria in one cell to make sufficient fuel for that cell to function. And pharmaceutical drugs are the number one cause of mitochondrial dysfunction. So all these seniors that have pre-existing conditions are on massive amounts of drugs that deplete the body of nutrients and destroy the mitochondria or cause mitochondrial dysfunction. No wonder they're at risk. This is huge. Okay? (laughs) Huge it is. All right, let's go to um, another way of looking at this COVID. When I went to the Center of uh, Research for um, uh, Viral uh, Research, International Viral Research, and I put, again, another extended quote to you for you up there, and I um, bolded a few of the important components. Number one, the where it is expanding is predominantly between the 30th, actually in this one they put the 30th and the 50th parallel. In the earlier one it was the 40th and 50th parallel, so it's extended a little bit. And also between 5 and 11 degrees, or 40, uh, and 47 to 79 humidity. Sorry, U.S., I can't remember how to convert an 11 degrees Celsius to your Fahrenheit. Um, but for everyone else around the world, 5 to 11 degrees Celsius. Now, that's where it's existing outside your body. Inside your body, your body is typically 37 point up. You know, there's a variance around it but around 37 degrees Celsius. So it it can, once it's in the body, it can um, establish itself in a warmer. But outside your body needs to be between 5 and 11 degrees. Let's go a little bit further down. There are a variety of human coronaviruses and which usually lead to cold symptoms and have been shown to display stronger winter seasonality between December and 18, uh, December and April. Okay, well, that makes sense. That suggests we go right down to the bottom where I bolded it again. On average, temperatures rise above 12 degrees Celsius. 54 degrees, they actually put that in for, just for me, I'm sure, haha. 54 degrees Fahrenheit and higher. The virus may be harder to transmit, but still a hypothesis that requires more data. Okay, thank you very much for that. So a big concern is that, or another concern, is that a number of people are carrying it that don't know they're carrying it, and that's really been pushed an awful lot. Well, that is the case depending on the uh, flu uh, component of the season. 20 to 40% carry, spread it around without realizing they're doing it. Okay? Again, they may not have any awareness at all, They may feel a little off and just simply ignore it. Uh, Again, we can go back to many, of course, are sick, but have the upper lip mentality and just carry on. It's not a big deal, as opposed to those that are really sick, stay home from work, and just get over it with or without medical help. So the fact that many carry it, well, hold on a minute. So what? That's normal. Again, we haven't got anything out of normalcy here. 
All right. So there is an unknown factor, and that factor is how fast can this COVID virus, COVID-19, change its DNA? Now, some bacteria and viruses are capable of saying they take, you know, several years to change their DNA. Some can change it within a year, some within a month, some within weeks, hours, even down to 15 minutes. And as much as this has been around, this, this, uh, the COVID, again, we've had the SARS and the MERS and now the COVID-19, uh, we clear one how long it takes for it to change its DNA so that it can adapt to other weather systems, um, other latitudes, other variables, what have you. Okay, so there is that concern. All right, well, that makes sense. So what do we do with all this? Well, number one, we need to be logical and rational. Okay, let's not get caught up in this panic. If you are 60 plus and have cardiovascular, diabetes, or respiratory issues, yes, you need to be more careful. If you're in a senior's home, you need to be more careful. If you're younger than that and have an autoimmune or in some way immunocompromised issues, you need to be more careful. So what do you do? You avoid crowded areas and you wash your hands and you build up your immune system. The big thing that we want to look at, your immune system is there to protect you. So you want to build it up? Okay. Well, we went over this last week, but let's go over it again. What do you need to build up your immune system so that you can protect yourself? from getting this virus that is way, 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 way lower in numbers than just the U.S. alone in 2017-18. Again, let's go over that 45 million that they know of had the flu in the U.S. in the flu season 2017 to 2018. You've got to be friggin' kidding. Um, uh, Did I put in here? Yeah. So far worldwide, we have 208,000 diagnosed. 208,000 compared to 45 million. Oh, I don't understand how this is a, a pandemic. The numbers just don't add up. We have 8,272 deaths around the world. Team, we had anywhere between 61, 62,000 and 80,000 died from the flu. Really? Like, again, the numbers aren't adding up, people. What? Why? Okay, let's go back what we were focusing on. I really want to make that an important component recognize they're not providing you with the reference numbers. Other infections operate. What are the numbers around the world for other infections that were not even addressed? There's there's something else going on here. Don't know what it is, but there's something else going on here. So again, let's come back to what do you need to do to build up your immune system? Well, vitamins that are particularly important to the immune system Vitamin A, B9, C, D, and E. Uh, most people are familiar with D. <laughs> when I was initially in, uh, way back when, in naturopathic college, the um, Western medicine said never give more than 300 to 400. And the college was saying, that's nonsense. You start at 1,000 and go up. Well, you can start at 1,000 and go up. I have no problem with that. But remember, after 2,000, you need to be taking uh, vitamin K1 and 2 as well because it can cause an imbalance in the K1, K2 uh, family, okay? So when I give vitamin D3 at higher levels, and now any health food store, you can get 1,000 MCGs of uh, vitamin D, um, you want to make sure that you've got it with 
uh, vitamin K2 as well. All right, go on minerals, iron, magnesium, selenium, and zinc. Well, zinc is often the one that's associated with the immune system, and it's definitely important to the immune system, but so are the other ones. And big thing with magnesium, 13 different types of magnesium, the one that I most often um, suggest people to take is the citrate. Now, there is a couple others that are good, too, and they're good for different reasons. We've done that uh, program on the show before, which magnesium to take for what. But the big concern about magnesium, of course, if we even go back to the mitochondria in your cells that are producing the fuel for the cell, in order to make one compound of fuel, they use magnesium 180 times. A basic cell uses magnesium over 380 times. A basic cell. So when we look at the soils around the world, especially the commercial soils producing the fruit, vegetables that we need, the grains that we eat, we find that most of the soils are magnesium deficient. So the foods are not getting the nutrients. For instance, vitamin C. You need magnesium to make vitamin C. Well, if the soil doesn't have um, magnesium in it, you're not going to get the vitamin C. Okay. Um, let's move on. <laughs> Compound. Uh, those who watch or listen to the program all the time know how big I am on glutathione. So you need your amino acids and your sulfuric compounds. Drink your hemp oil and eat your garlic to get your glutathione components so that you can make glutathione. Why? Because glutathione regulates the production the, the memory, the programming, the reaction, and the um, rehabilitation, if you want, of your immune cells. Credulously important to the immune system. You want your pre and your probiotics. Well, we know that because most of your immune system is in your gut, so you want a good, healthy gut. And any other foods that help function. And again, most of your immune system is in your gut. So what foods and vegetables do we eat for what? Let's go over that again. Almonds will give you vitamin E. Apples, you want the hard tart apples, not the soft sweet ones. The hard tart ones have better fiber in them, they have more nutrients in them, and they have less sugar in them. Um, I'm going over this quickly this time because we went over it quite in depth last uh, week, so we're not going to do as much here this week. Avocados, incredibly good uh, for vitamins. Um, B2, B2, actually I lost the B in there, B2, B3, B5, B6, B9, vitamin C, E, your, and K, your B, K1, your beta carotenes and glutathione, copper, iron, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, holy cow, it's even more potassium than bananas, so watch it if you have kidney issues, and zinc. It's a great source of your omega-3s. Now, your omega-3s are really important to your immune system and to your whole health, but you want your really good uh, omega-3s, your LAs, your EPAs, and your DHAs. Now, in addition to that, you also want your omega-6s and your omega-9s. And avocados are a great fruit because the omega-3, 6, and 9 in avocados is virtually the same, not exact, but virtually the same as the omega-3, 6, and 9 in your body. So not only are you getting all those minerals and vitamins, and we haven't even gone into all the phytonutrients, um, but minerals and vitamins, you're also getting your omega-3, 6, and 9s in a balance that's healthy for the body, also loaded with antioxidants. Broccoli, fiber, antioxidants, um, your probiotics, again, we'll get into more of that later on, your vitamin A, C, E, a very powerful antioxidant for infections, golly gee whiz. Uh, cabbage, your vitamin C, 
great pre and probiotics. I love cabbage. Cabbage in any way. Cabbage in coleslaw, cabbage in soup, whether you're eating your kimchi or your, uh, which is the Asian fermented cabbage, or your uh, sauerkraut, your Russian um, fermented cabbage. I don't care how you get the cabbage, just get it into your body. Uh, cheeses. Now, a lot of cheeses have live cultures in them, probiotic cultures. So your feta, your goudas, your mozzarella, cheddar cheese, cottage cheese, those are all great for the probiotics. Chickpeas are high in vitamin B6. And that is really the B6. I don't know if I've got anywhere else. But B6 is really, oh, yeah, avocados, uh, really high to help different uh, biochemical actions to occur. Uh, chicken soup. <laughs> chicken soup is not only good for the soul, the name of the book, but it is good for your gut immune system, in particular with the B6 and the chondroitin. Chocolate. Now, I just left chocolate alone. I've, you know, with, between the books I have on chocolate, and by the way, I have a book on the immune system. Uh, if you go to drhollybooks.com, um, and there's not 17 books like Nicole's uh, preamp to the program keeps saying. I've got over 30 books. However, chocolate. Let's go back to chocolate, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Chocolate has in its natural form over 1,400 components, nutrients, um, over 300 nutrients that are really, really important to the body. You want to have that good hard chocolate. Now, my issue with hard chocolate, I love the taste of it, but when you get the various types of like 68%, 72%, you get or chocolate that melts in your mouth. And I love that sensation of chocolate melting in your mouth. But that's not chocolate that's doing that. That's soy lecithin. And we know that that 92%, I think, still is that on soy is that it's GMO. So we always want to avoid the GMO products. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, but I love the way it melts in your mouth. But, oh, well, it's got soy lecithin, and that's probably GMO. So unless you got really good chocolate... Um, producer who's willing to tell you whether the soy lecithin is organic or not, and of course whether the chocolate's organic or not. Be careful. All right, let's move on. Citrus fruit. Yeah, we already talked about um, needing magnesium to make vitamin C. So oranges, which historically were considered high in vitamin C, although red peppers are higher than oranges, but um, there's been studies that show that none of the oranges today have any vitamin C in them anymore because the soils are all depleted in magnesium. So you want your dark leafy greens. They have a higher capacity for vitamin C in today's soils, and they also tend to be higher in iron. Kiwi, a good vitamin C product or fruit, but it also has B12 and K and potassium in it. Lemons, high in vitamin C, B9, potassium. Lemons are known to be antiviral and antibacterial, antioxidant and anti-inflammatory. Almost as tumor as anti-everything. Okay, uh, peas, high in vitamin B9 and C, as well as your amino acids. Your immune system does need your amino acids, which is why I tend to get everybody on a really good, healthy hemp. Um, did I even put hemp in here? We'll get to that in a second. Um, papaya, high in vitamin C, along with digestive enzymes. Uh, ginger is also very good for digestive enzymes. Red bell pepper, as we said earlier, is higher in vitamin C than oranges ever were. Spinach, rich in vitamin C, antioxidants, beta carotenes. If you have a problem with um, your kids or anyone else not liking spinach, try it with a peanut sauce. I love it. Spinach and peanut sauce, but you get in sushi. 
uh, just delicious. My, my favorite food in sushi is the spinach in the uh, peanut sauce. Okay, sunflower seeds, vitamin B, 6E, minerals like magnesium and potassium. Okay, so I take a wide range of fruits and vegetables that you can use to help build up your immune system. Okay, so include them in your diet. <laughs> as much as our stores are becoming empty because of the supposed pandemic we have, it's just absolutely not. But okay, and grow again. I go back to like I always do in every program to the degree that you can grow your own foods, fruit, vegetables, herbs, whatever. Please do so. Know the soils that they're being grown in. Know that they're healthy for you. Know that they're organic. You put your loving care into them and create good foods. Okay, now let's not forget our herbs. Herbs are a lot more nutrient-dense than your fruits and your vegetables. You want to get those herbs into your diet. Of course, growing herbs on your windowsill, we've gone through so many programs. It is so easy to grow so many herbs in your window. Even if you live in the far north, you don't have all that sunshine, there's still all kinds that you can grow. So make sure you do that because they're incredulously important to your diet. Now, if we look at garlic, we've talked many times, garlic has over 350 nutrients in it. 33 are sulfur-containing compounds, and those sulfur-containing compounds are really important to your immune system, and in particular important to building up your glutathione. Ginger reduces sore throats and other inflammatory conditions. Ginger tea is a common one used throughout the world. Turmeric, as we said earlier, turmeric is anti-everything. It's antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, anti-carcinogenic, anti-anti-anti-anti, the list goes on and on. But you have to be careful with your turmeric. Okay, we've said that many, many times on the program. Uh, Over 80% of the world's sources of turmeric are actually toxic. So you want to make sure you've got a very good turmeric. And I always suggest buy Savanti. Go online to Savanti, S-E-W-A-N. T.I. So Vancey's tumor goes through three different laboratories to make sure that it is clean. Now, in addition to that, we've often said turmeric is very, very hard to absorb. So you want to make sure you mix it with fat, the lipids. Not only helps to get into the body, but across the blood-brain barrier. And so the best ones I suggest with uh, in our Western world is using coconut oil and or avocado oil. Just heat them up. You don't have to get it hot. Just warm them up. Mix in your pepper so that your pep, or sorry, your turmeric, so that you can the curcumoids in the turmeric attach to the fat so that your body can absorb them. Now the other thing with turmeric is once your body is absorbed, it still has difficulty using those curcumoids unless you've got pepper, just regular black pepper is all you need to put in with the um, the fats and the turmeric to make sure that your body not only can absorb it, but can metabolize it. All right. Very, very good for your immune system. Very good for every aspect of your body. Okay. Now, the big thing we keep coming back to over and over again is don't forget your probiotics, pre and probiotics. The pre is the fiber. It is important to have that fiber. Not Fiber does a number of different things. Number one, it regulates the blood sugar uptake from your gut into your portal blood that goes to your liver. It also regulates your stool, your bowel movement that goes through the intestine. And it also provides uh, food and transportation so the bacteria can get all 
all the way through the small intestine because most of it has to go to the large intestine where we need it. Okay, otherwise it dies along the way. It needs to be fed and it needs to have transportation. So where do we get good probiotics? Apples, apples and apple cider vinegar, great sources. Uh, Brine-cured olives. Make sure that the bottle doesn't say sodium benzoate on it because that kills the bacteria. Again, always doing your own is always better. Again, all your fermented and pickled foods. I make a lot of them. Pickled everything. (laughs) Uh, I go back to all the laughter we had in the kitchen when Tom was around with all the fermenting and pickling that we did. We did tons of it. Uh, Greek yogurt without added sugar and without fruit. Okay, you want the good healthy fats but not the sugars and most of the fruits are artificial but you don't want to mix fruit and yogurt anyways. Although I have to admit when I get my fresh blackberries or raspberries or blueberries out of the garden, I love them with yogurt and every time I do that, I think, yeah, and you always tell people don't do this. <laughs> but it's so good. Oh, well, kefir. You can, if you don't want dairy, you can make coconut kefir. You have kimchi, like we said earlier, uh, Asian cabbage, uh, fermented cabbage, kombucha. Again, we're using um, bacteria. Kvass is another uh, fermented drink, a Russian one. I've never made that before. I don't know anyone who has, but I know it's good for you. <laughs> Sauerkraut. Now, that's the one I have a hard time with. I'll eat a mouthful at a time, but not anymore. That's hard for me to get down, but it is very good for you, especially, again, if you're making it at home. Now, soybean products are also good. The problem, like we were saying earlier, is that 92% of soy is GMO. So if you like your products, like MySo and Tempa and Nata, Nata, just make sure that they are GMO. Okay? All right. Um, A supplement that's really, really good for your immune system is Transfer Factor. Um, and the one that I use, I think, is one of the best in the world. It comes from a company called For Life. Um, I bring that into Canada in the U.S. All right. Now, outside of your daily diet, what else can you be doing to help build and stabilize your immune system so it has a good reactionary capacity for this coronavirus should you come in contact with it? Exercise. Keep your vascular and your immune system moving. Now, exercise may mean yoga, it may mean dancing, it may be going to the gym, it may be using those tensor bands and just stretching with the tensor bands to make sure that your body's doing. I stop and do it every hour on the hour. I no longer have my dogs, which I used to run around the house and play with every hour on the hour if I was at home doing research or what writing books, whatever, on the computer. I don't have my dogs anymore. And so I use the tensor bands and I work with those. How you want to get a good sleep? Sleep is really important to your immune system. Get your sunshine, and you want to get real true sunshine, so just make sure your body doesn't turn red. But get out there. Get your body exposed to that sunshine so it can make that vitamin D hugely important to your immune system. And reduce reduce your drinking of alcohol and drugs and sugars and what have you. Sugars just deplete. I I actually don't even have sugars there. I'm surprised. Uh, Really eliminate the sugars out of your diet to the best of your capacity. Sugars right from your mouth all the way through your GI tract deplete the good bacteria and feed the back bacteria. Also feed the cancers. Okay? Now what we want to do is go to some of your questions. I apologize that we don't get to all of them all the time, but 
Now I'll talk a little slower. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I could get through all of this today. So let's look. Number one, um, Angela in the UK, I do not understand what will happen in two weeks of isolation. Won't it just start up all over again? Or are they planning on leaving us in lockdown for longer? Well, it really depends on where it is propagating right now and how and why. Like we've said earlier, we started just saying the 40th to the 50th parallel that's on the the north side. Um, Now it's gone down to the 30th parallel, Uh, but not hugely, just in a minor degree, and between 5 and 11 degrees Celsius. So we don't really know how it sustains itself outside of those parameters. That is still an unknown. And we don't know, like I said earlier, to what degree it can change or how fast it can change its DNA to adapt to other environments. The probability based on what's gone for the last six months is that it will um, be gone by the end of April, maybe into even to the end of May. Now, think about it. The, it reached its peak in um, China on March I think it was. It reached its peak in Korea on March 8th. And remember, 92% of those that that were diagnosed in Korea belonged to one religious group um, that were connected, obviously, in large groups. I think Italy reached its, uh, to be honest, I haven't looked at that recently, but they were expecting it to reach its peak, I think, on the 12th in in Italy. So it does have a normal uh, viral spectrum. Okay? They do have their cycles. And based on that, it's looking like probably the end of April, maybe uh, into May. As far as the lockdown goes, well, I don't understand the need for the lockdown. As noted earlier, it's nowhere near the annual flu numbers in the U.S. alone, never mind around the world. So why all this hoopla? I don't get it. So, no, I can't predict what they will do because it doesn't make sense at this point. Um, And where are they getting the data when they say they're listening to the experts? And and who's giving this information to the experts? When I go to these other sites that are actually studying it, it's like, well, no. When we go to look at the flu uh, statistics just for the U.S. alone, you know, way, 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 way higher. Why why are we having a pandemic over this? It doesn't add up. So I can't suggest what they're going to do because it doesn't make sense what they're doing now. All right, Mike, Michelle in Toronto, they're saying we can still catch the virus even if we self-isolate. How is that possible? Well, again, remember, you may already be carrying the virus. You may have already brought it into your home and it may already be on countertops or doorknobs or what have you, which is why, you know, being clean is important. Uh, Washing your hands is important. And you could have it for 10, 12 days and not even realize it. So, you know, say you've already caught it, so to speak, you're carrying it, and your immune system is doing a great job fighting it, you could not know that you have it for 10 to 12 days. So if you've already got it, what good is the self-isolation? Um, much like other infections, again, we've said this earlier, between 20 and 40% of the population don't know that they have an infection. The immune system is doing what it needs to do, and it has, that hasn't needed to jump up. Now, remember, when you suffer from your immune system, that's your immune system fighting 
a given infection. So whether you've got a runny nose or a fever or diarrhea or, you know, any other aspect, it's your body getting rid of it. We don't want to eliminate your body's capacity to get rid of something. <laughs> Put on your big, big girl socks and suffer it. Get it through. If you're running a fever too long, even if you're running a fever for a short period, move in and out of a hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold shower. That helps your body to, to fight. That's why they've used what's called hydrotherapy for hundreds and hundreds of years around the world very effectively. Okay? All right, what else have I got? And it can be transmitted by air droplets. So if it can be transmitted by air droplets, which is why they're telling you to avoid crowds, to what degree can it be carried in the wind, in the weather conditions? Uh, and that, um, there's been a lot of different theories on that. So. And again, let's remember, most of Western medicine is based on hypothesis. If you look at the pharmaceutical research, it's indicated, suggested, it might be, it's hypothesized to be. They don't know most of the time. Okay? So this isn't anything unusual. That is why you can get an antidepressant that once it's gone through its patent period is now being used for urinary tract infection. Like, really? You've got to be afraid and kidding. And there is tons of that. Let me just give you another stat while I'm on the side of it. Between... October 1st of 2013, I, I don't know that I got these absolutely correct, but it's around this. October 1st of 2013 to January 31st of 2017, 6,000 drugs were taken off the market because they caused more harm than benefit. About four years ago, 28 medical protocols were looked at. 12% were considered effective. Most were based on hypotheses that had never been confirmed. What is not evidence-based like we would like to believe it is or that it's marketed for? Remember that. Okay, let's move on. Um, Andy in Nevada, why are we being isolated on a global scale for something not as bad as a flu? You're absolutely right. That's my whole point. 45 million had the flu that we know of in the U.S. in one flu season two years ago. One flu season. 45 million. And we've got barely over 200,000 around the world. Why is it being marketed this way? What's behind this? It may not be that there is something conniving (laughs) behind having it started, Fear-mongering. This is huge. Why? Now, one of the things I've been talking about with uh, some of my colleagues, two predominant theories keep coming up amongst people is, one, most governments around the world are on the brink of bankruptcy already. If they're putting in all this acclaimed money into this COVID process, Where's that going to leave the economy and the uh, Federal Reserves when we get past it? A one-world government. That's the theory that keeps coming up. (laughs) We've been talking about it several times. Another theory that keeps coming up is, is this a social experiment? 
think about it. How many times in history have we had all the capacity to connect with people? And for a long time, it was just radio, right, the beginning of the last century. Then, for most of the last century, we had TV. Now we've got not only the Wi-Fi, Internet, we've got all the different types of YouTube programs, the Zooms, the, the whatever. There is a ton of ways that they can market fear around the world. Could it be that this is a social experiment to find how much, how long, how pervasive, how issues, concerns, governments locking down, doing whatever, to create mass panic? And again, if there's mass panic, what does that allow them to implement? That could all be wrong. I have no idea. We have absolutely, I have absolutely no evidence of anything. Ultimately, we won't know till after this is all over. But why? When the numbers are so out of whack, <laughs> my term, why is this happening? I go back to in one flu season, 2017 to 2018, the U.S. had almost 45 known diagnoses of the flu. Anywhere between 60 and 80,000 died from it, depending on what statistic you look at. And what do we have worldwide, not the U.S., worldwide? We have hardly over 200,000 diagnosed, and sadly 8,000 have died. What is going on? There's something else that needs to be attended to. Why are our governments doing what they're doing? Why are they being told to do what they're doing? Who's giving the information? Who is behind this? It's got to be something because it just doesn't add up. In case I haven't said it earlier. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Sheila in Vancouver, how important is gut health and probiotics for boosting the immune system and can you suggest a specific protocol? I already have. Very good question, Sheila. We went over it last week. We did it again this week. Take your hemp oil. Hemp oil has all, make sure it's a very good hemp oil. Again, like turmeric uh, being very toxic. Hemp can be very toxic as well because cannabis will absorb anything in the soil. So if it's grown in a toxic soil, you're getting all that toxicity into the hemp. So the hemp I sell is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the best in Canada. I ask for a soil profile every year. It has all the amino acids, both the essential and non-essential amino acids in it. A way to get your minerals, all your minerals, your Himalayan salt gives you all your minerals, even your trace minerals. Uh, Garlic, smash and swallow, don't cut and chew. Smash it and swallow it. In fact, I use take with the garlic, I swallow it, and it has a fast after run with my yogurt. So I take the garlic first and push it down with yogurt. Um, again, eat your fiber and your probiotics. I've given you a list last week and this week of all the foods and why you might use those foods. Um, if you're particularly concerned about having um, an immunocompromise, again, your transfer factor is huge for that as well because your transfer factor is so important to your immune system. So you do have all the information there. Again, we went over it both last week and this week. Um, if you're just listening to the program, Nicole is always terrifically great. She has um, posted the articles. Just a minute. I just got 
A. Um, yeah, Nicole has posted the article, so you should be able to get it off the site. And of course, all the site um, she keeps uh, all the programs she keeps on the site. So you can go into the site and look for any of the old programs over the last five years for me, twenty years for other people that have been on the program. Uh, and they're all archived. I don't know how far back they go back to being archived, but certainly all mine are archived. So you can always look back um, into the past for older articles, whether it be on the immune system, the inflammatory system, or just last week on um, the COVID-19. So you do have that information. Make use of it. Include those foods, herbs, um, supplements in your diet. Um, I do all the time anyway, so it's not a big deal for me. Um, <laughs> just do what I tell everybody else to do. All righty. Um, let's see. What's our next question? Dana in New York. I carry a surface and air purifying travel mist. Is that enough for the, to kill the coronavirus? To be honest, I have no idea. I have no idea. But I can say, remember, the coronavirus can um, last on a solid surface for a few hours. Um, depending on the weather and what latitude you're on, it can last for a few hours. So make sure that you know that. Okay? Uh, I have no idea what's in your your mess, and I have no idea even if I didn't know what was in it, to what degree can it kill it. Okay? Now, I did want to, I put this at the very end in case we had some time, and we do have some time. This is from um, an Ethics on Harvard uh, blog that came out. Um, if you go to ethics.harvard.edu.blog.newprescriptiondrugsmajorhealthrisk. Um, just on drugs alone. Now, we've shifted a little bit here, but for a reason. On drugs alone, there was 1,900,000 that were um, had a serious drug reaction. 840,000 prescribed a drug but not hospitalized and actually prescribed the drugs. And then serious drug reaction, I'm sorry, I read that wrong, 2,740,000 had a serious drug reaction. 200,000 died from a prescription drug that they didn't respond well to, obviously. Okay, now that is in the Harvard blog, and that was for one year. 200,000 died because of pharmaceutical drugs. We have eight in one year. We have 1,000 dying from a regular flu that goes around. Regular in that it's a flu bug, it's a virus. 8,000. Why isn't from pharmaceuticals being considered a pandemic? We're calling it, number one, it's obviously not an infection. But why isn't that being posted? Stop and think. Why can we have 2,740,000 people in one year in just the U.S. alone having a serious pharmaceutical reaction, 200,000 of them dying, and that's not being put out there? 208,000 simply diagnosed with a flu, 8,000 dying, and that's a pandemic. 
keep coming back to the numbers are not adding up, people. Are you going to buy into the fear-mongering? Now, it could go through. I mean, if the DNA can alter, if the COVID can alter its DNA and blah, blah, blah. But at this point, sorry, no, it doesn't add up. Again, almost 45 million known cases of the flu in 2017-2018 in the U.S. alone. Thousand as opposed to the 80,000 that died from it. Way, way, way beyond the numbers for COVID-19. So I want you to stop. I want you to think. <laughs> Don't get caught up in the panic. But be logical and rational particularly if you're a senior and or immunocompromised, be logical about it. But don't get caught up in a panic about it. Okay? I hope that helps you a lot. I hope that puts things into perspective for you. And I hope that (laughs) prevents any heart attacks from people being afraid because of the fear that's been going around. And I hope I've given you some basic tools, basic diet tools, as well as exercise, sleep, and washing your hands, obvious tools to just build up your own immune system. Your body was designed to fight pathogens. It's designed for that. Build it up naturally, support it, make it do what it's supposed to do. Be healthy about it. Okay? Now, again, what a lot of people do bring me in to help their seniors, their parents, grandparents, to get off all the medication because they know the medication can be so destructive, and we have to do that in a very careful way. We need to build up the body so the body can take care of itself without the drugs. You don't just stop drugs. Now, also remember, our Western medical system is very, very good, despite the fact that I harass it all the time. But what is it good at? If you're in the middle of a heart attack, if you're in a car accident, if you have some crises that has occurred, then go to the hospital and get your leg reset, stop your heart attack or stroke or whatever's going on, and then get out of the hospital as fast as possible so that you can help your body to heal. Right? Foods in hospital, we know, cause more problems than they solve. And we've gone over 88% of diagnoses are incorrect or um not sufficient. You know, we've done all those types of programs, so know that. Know when and how to use a system. Don't get into a panic with it. Be logical and rational. If you need the hospital, then by all means, go to the hospital and get done what you need to get done, and then get out. Allow your body to do what it's supposed to do. Get rid of the toxins. Help the body with the nutrients it needs. Help it to do what it was designed to do. And that gives you your best capacity to, <laughs> for health and wellness. Okay? I hope you have a great week. I hope you make really good choices. I hope that you don't get caught up in the panic. I hope that you have a good, healthy perspective on what's going on. This is Dr. Holly with Choices Unlimited for Health and Wellness. The Integrative Whole Health Program on News for the Soul, for which we thank Nicole, can bring the real stats to you to help you put things into perspective.
Make it a great week. We'll talk with you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Call in to live News for the Soul shows daily for intuitive coaching, readings, numerology, leading-edge health information, and much, much more with featured hosts from around the world. Go to newsforthesoul.com to join the next live show now. That's newsforthesoul.com.